Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. While you remain standing, let's just read one verse of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. For assuredly, I say to you, Jesus talking here, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And I want to preach or teach. I might preach, but uh, this is teaching night, but get excited. And, you know, because the only difference between preaching and teaching, one's telling, the other one's yelling, right? And so I might tell and yell at the same time. Uh, get excited about the word. So I want to teach on the subject, fulfilling the scriptures, fulfilling the scriptures. And you may be seated. Now, this is old King James English, one jot or one tittle. Uh, in modern uh, translation, there, that, that means that not only we're talking about the chapters, the verses, the words, but also even down to the punctuation. That's what he's talking about. Even the crossing of the T and the dotting of the I of the Word of God will all be fulfilled before heaven and earth. You know, heaven and earth won't be here, you know, in one minute longer than the Word of God until it's fulfilled. The Word of God will outlast everything and it'll be fulfilled. I'm talking about fulfilling the Scriptures. Now, when our country was founded and uh, the Constitution was uh, put together and uh, ratified and all the signers signed it, one of the signers was Benjamin Franklin, and uh, he made this statement uh, talking about, uh, you know, some people asked him, like, well, this Constitution, this new, this new republic that you guys just, you know, put it together, it, how certain is it, you know, how... How long do you think it's going to last? Is it going to be really certain? And he made this statement. In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Right? We've heard that a million times. And that's Benjamin Franklin said that. But there's one thing that's much more certain than death and taxes, and that is the fulfillment of God's word. It's going to happen, folks. It'll happen before the sun rises. Because we, we expect the sun to rise because we're used to it all the years of our life. But, you know, the Word of God is more sure than the sun coming up. Because the Bible said in the book of Revelation, the sun's not going to come up one day. It's going to be darkness. And there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be some big changes someday. But we can know that the Word of God will be fulfilled. It will be, it will all be fulfilled no matter what. And it's all going to come to pass no matter what. Psalms 119.89 said, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It's for sure. It's settled. It's just a matter of who's going to be fulfilling it on this earth. Who, what, what side are people going to be on? What are people going to choose? The word of God, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, right? Amen. It's settled up there already. Isaiah 55.11, very powerful verse. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. 
So God said, when my word goes out, it's going to take place. Amen. It's going to happen. It all depends on who's on what side. What are we going to choose to do? What part of the scripture are we going to fulfill? What part of the scripture are we going to be a part of? Amen. What's going to come to pass in our lives? Amen. Because one way or another, everybody, believer and unbeliever, is going to fulfill the scriptures. Did you know that? Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 25, the word of the Lord endures forever. And then he also said, speaking of the prophecy, he said, we also, in 2 Peter 1, 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well to take heed. We, we do well to pay attention and to really listen to it as unto a light that shines in a dark place. Now, there's a phrase that takes place 17 times in the New Testament. And most of them, if not all of them, take place in the first five books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And that phrase is, that it might be fulfilled. Amen. All 17 of these verses are referring to what was spoken by the prophets of God in the Old Testament, that it might be fulfilled. So, in other words, in these 17 verses, whatever was taking place uh, and whatever happened, it said this had to happen, that this scripture back here might be fulfilled. Because every one of these prophecies, and there is hundreds and thousands of them, will be fulfilled. Some of them have already been fulfilled, and some of them have yet to be fulfilled. Amen. Now, let me give you an example of... And using Judas Iscariot. Now everybody knows who Judas Iscariot right, is, right? He's the betrayer of Jesus. He was one of the twelve. And it, it begs the question, you know, I, I just think about it sometimes. Why did Jesus, amen, knowing what he knew, choose Judas to be one of his twelve apostles, to be one of the inner circle? Because we know that God is omniscient. He's all-knowing, Right? And, and we know the Bible says God sees the hearts and God knows exactly what's in the hearts of people. And we also know that God knows the end from the beginning, which means he could see the future. Now, Jesus was God manifest in human form. So he had all these attributes of God, which means he already knew before he even chose Judas, what kind of person Judas was and what Judas was going to do. Why did you choose him, God? You know, and, and I, and I kind of, I think because we put ourselves in Jesus' shoes sometimes. You know, like, like if we, if we, you know, if I was king, you know, if I was God, well, thank God we're not because we'd probably mess it all up. <laughs> Amen. But you think like if, if I had the ability to see the hearts and know what's going on and see the future, you know, like say if I was an employer and I was like interviewing people, would I hire this person when even though their resume looked great and they came across looking great, but I, I knew because I could see, I had the ability that they were no good, dirty, rotten dogs, you know, or something, that they were, they were a, you know, a, a, a lying person that was going to uh, cause trouble in my business, would I hire them? 
But that's what, Je you know, that's what Jesus did. He hired him anyway. Amen. Now, John 2, 24, Jesus said, uh, the, the Bible said, Jesus did not commit himself to them, talking about people, because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. He knew because he was the creator. He, you know, and God manifest in the flesh. Matthew 12, 25, Jesus knew their thoughts. Mark 2, 8, when the people questioned in their heart when Jesus did something in their midst, and in their minds and their hearts, they were questioning, why, you know, how can he, how can he forgive sins? How can only God can forgive sin? And they, they, they weren't speaking it, they were thinking it, and, they, and it was in their heart. And he said, why do you question these things in your hearts? They probably went, whoa, how does he know? So rather than acting on his foreknowledge of Judas, Jesus chose rather to do the will of God and allow the scriptures to be fulfilled. You see, that's the most important thing in our lives, to do the will of God and have the scriptures be fulfilled in, a, in the right way in our lives. Not what we think, or I don't think, or, or like, no, I don't like that one, and I'm going to, no, I'm not going to have that one, and I'm going to discount that one. No. We got to do it that way. So it came time to pick. So what, what did Jesus do before he picked his 12? See, Jesus had a big following early on. And out of all of his disciples, he picked 12 to be the inner circle, to be the apostles. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer. He prayed about it all night before he picked the 12. You picked Judas because he knew the scriptures had to be fulfilled. And when it was day, verse 13, he called the disciples to himself, and from them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. And if you keep reading in Luke 6, it names all 12 apostles. The last one named, it's in verse 16, and Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. He still picked him. John 6, verse 70, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? I chose a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. John 13, 18, Jesus said, I speak not to all of you. Because remember he said, he, he sat, and it was like the Last Supper, he said, one of you guys is going to betray me. And then they all went down, down the line. Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? They were all like, I hope it's not me. But he, he, he clarified. He said, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen. I know. I, know, I, chose, I didn't make a mistake. I know who I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Woo, this is powerful. John 17, 12, Jesus in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying to, you know, human, the human side of him, praying to the Spirit. He said, while I was with you, uh, excuse me, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name, talking about his disciples, those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them has lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Amen. So you see, Jesus allowed the scripture to be fulfilled. That's why he had to choose Judas. Matthew 26, 24. The Son of Man 
Now, this is a powerful right here. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better, been good for that man if he had not been born. Amen? Amen. So you see, the, as it was written, somebody was going to uh, betray Jesus. That was written. Amen. So there's a lot of things written, you know, on the negative side in the Bible, as far as uh, things that, you know, people are going to do against God or against the word or against the church or whatever. But you know what? We don't have to be part of that. See, that's where we, our choice has to come in. You know, we read about the, the mark of the beast in the book of Revelation, that there'll be people taking the mark and that's going to fulfill the scripture. I don't have to take the mark. I'm not fulfilling that scripture. The scripture will be fulfilled by somebody, but I'm not going to do that one. Amen. I'm picking and choosing the ones I want. I want to keep the good ones. I want the heaven scriptures. I want the healing scriptures. I want the blessing scriptures. I want the fellowship of the house of God scriptures. Amen. The miracle scriptures. See, the Bible foretold that the betrayer of the Messiah would be one of his inner circle. And it came to pass. It foretold that the price of the betrayal would be 30 pieces of silver. And it came to pass. And it went on to foretell that that money would be returned by the one who betrayed him and would be used. It wouldn't go back into the treasury where the Pharisees uh, took it from to begin with because it was the price of blood. They couldn't put it back in the treasury. Even they had some kind of a conscience. And so they said, we got to take this money and we got to buy a field with it. And they bought a field called the potter's field or the field of blood and strangers were buried in that field. And all of that was foretold because the scriptures must be fulfilled. And lastly, it foretold that somebody else would take his office, Judas's office or position. And that's why before the day of Pentecost, when you read Acts chapter 1, after Jesus ascended up into heaven, then Peter said, he quoted some scriptures from the Old Testament, and he said, because of this, we've got to replace Judas. And then they, they, did, they, they prayed, they, they cast lots or whatever, and you know, kind of drawing straws, so to speak. And this guy named Matthias, who that's the only time you'll ever hear his name is in the Acts chapter one. He was chosen to replace Judas and he stood up with the 11, the Bible said. But you never hear about him again. But that was all foretold. Now let's talk about Jesus a little bit. He fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies. Amen. From the time when he was born until the time of his ascension, he, his birth, his childhood, his ministry, his teachings, his miracles, all that he suffered leading up to the crucifixion, the crucifixion itself, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. All of that, 300 verses. And you know that mathematically, that's almost an impossibility. It, it, you know, it's, you know I, I teach, when I teach home Bible studies, that's one of the things I teach about the, uh, the possibility of even just, a few, just 40 or 50 of those prophecies coming to pass. 
it, you know, is just astronomically incredible and impossible. And 300, amen. It'd be easier for even about 50. You know what would be easier than 50 of these prophecies to come to pass? If, if, I don't know if you've ever driven across Texas, but from West Texas to East Texas, that's like a whole day drive. Amen, at least. Praise God. But that state's huge. It's only, it's only second, uh, second only to Alaska. Amen. But in the, in the, in the uh, main 48, it's the biggest state we got. Praise God. And if you filled that state up with silver dollars one foot high, and if you could, I know it's impossible to do it, but if you had enough silver dollars, just stay with me, to fill that whole state, every part, every inch from border to border, one foot high, and then you took one silver dollar and you put a black X on it with a Sharpie. And then you went in there and you threw that one somewhere and buried it somewhere and nobody knew where it was. And then you took somebody and you put a blindfold on them and then you spun them around like pin the tail on the donkey and said, okay, you can take all the time you want, but you can walk all over Texas, but you only get one try blindfolded and you have to pick that silver dollar with the X on it out of all the billions of silver dollars, it'd be easier for that to happen than for just 50 of those prophecies to come to pass. And we're talking over 300 that Jesus fulfilled. Because you know why? Because whatever God says, it's going to happen. His word's not going to return void. It's going to accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. You see, after his temptation in the wilderness by the devil... Jesus began his ministry by teaching in the synagogues. He went in the synagogues, and most of the people used, or were used to falling asleep in the synagogues. They were like, you know, doing the head bob or whatever because it was so boring. But when Jesus came, he spoke with authority. He spoke with power. He even healed people right there in the synagogue <gasps> on the Sabbath day. How dare you? Or whatever. And they were all, you know, they didn't, weren't used to that. And the leadership was all appalled, but the people loved it. Because they saw this is what, what it's all about. And he went into the synagogue in Luke chapter 4. And the Bible said in verse 16, and he, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up for the read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So this was written, you know, seven or eight hundred years before Christ. And so now he's reading this, you know, seven or eight hundred year old prophecy. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So he just read that scripture. And the Bible said, in the next verse, he closed the book, he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them in the synagogue were all fastened on him. Like, okay, what's he going to do now? And then the next thing he said, he, and he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. You know who that is? Me. I'm here. Amen. I'm preaching, I'm setting people free, I'm casting out devils, I'm doing, I'm giving hope, I, I'm going to do all this, I'm going to preach the acceptable, I, I, I'm telling you, right now, that thing's been hanging in the wind for 700 years, but now you don't have to worry, that one's, check it off the list, that's fulfilled. Amen, that's powerful. 
And then, of course, when he rode in, he rode into uh, Jerusalem on a baby donkey. That was prophesied. That's another prophecy fulfilled. Amen. And uh, all them praising him, that was fulfilled. And then he went in and he was in Jerusalem uh, pretty much until the time of his crucifixion. Praise God. And when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is when Judas took the opportunity because he knew, he told the Pharisees, Jesus liked to take us to the garden in the evening and we would stay there and he would train us and we would pray with him. Amen. So that's where he's going to be. And he took them over there. Amen. And we know what happened. They all came with their torches and with their swords and spears. And then, and then Peter, in one of his valiant moments, but it wasn't really valiant, he, took, he had a sword, he grabbed it, and he cut the, you know, the high priest's servant's ear right off. You know? And Jesus said, put away your sword. It's not time for that. And then in another version uh, of the, I mean, another uh, one of the books, he, he bent down and grabbed the ear, and he put it back on the guy's head, and there was not even blood or anything. That should have told everybody, hey, why are we arresting this guy? Look at what he did with that ear. I mean, something's going on here. But they still took him. And Jesus' response to Peter trying to take human ability to fight and, uh, and free him from this situation. See, the scriptures must be fulfilled. What would, what would be the purpose of Jesus getting away and prolonging the will of God? It was time to go to the cross. Matthew chapter 26, verse 53, Jesus told Peter, and everybody was trying to fight these guys off. He goes, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? I could, I could speak right now. I could snap my fingers, and 12 legions of angels could come and wipe out the entire Roman army. And we could just forget this whole thing. But you know what he said? But how then, verse 54, how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be? The scriptures must be fulfilled. It's not what I want. He, he goes, it's not about what I want. We know he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before these guys came. And he said, Father, if there's any way, if this cup can pass from me, if I can accomplish your will any other way, because he knew what he was about to have to go through, he said, and he goes, let it happen. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Yeah. And we can pray that all day long, too. We can say, God, if there's any way that we can do this or that and, and still accomplish your will, that's great. Nevertheless, your will be done. So Jesus, you know, he had, you know, his own human will, but he put it in subjection to God's will because he knew the scriptures being fulfilled was the most important thing. Yeah. Amen. Luke chapter 24, 44, he said unto them, these are the words, which, and this is after his resurrection. He said, these are the words which I spake to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which was written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. It's got to all be fulfilled. The book of Acts chapter 3, verse 18, those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Amen. So the Bible foretold that he would be rejected, despised, and accused by his own people. He came unto his own, his own received him not. He, it foretold that he would be beaten and spat upon and hated without a cause. 
It foretold that he would be wounded in the house of his friends. It foretold that he would be numbered with the transgressors. And we know that, uh, uh, that, that uh, there was a cross with a transgressor on each side of him, three crosses. It said he would be pierced, and it said that he would be thirsty when he was on the cross. And, and remember, he said, I thirst. It foretold that his outer garments would be removed before he was put on the cross, and people would gamble for that garment. They didn't want to tear it apart. They wanted to keep it in one piece, so they gambled so that whoever won it could take it. It was also foretold that he would be forsaken and he would cry out to God. It foretold that he would die for the sins of others and that he would be buried in somebody else's tomb, a borrowed tomb. It foretold that his body would not suffer decay, but he would rise again in the resurrection. Amen. And we know that three days later, he said, just as Jonah was in the whale's belly for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man, amen, be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. And then it was over, and he rose from the dead. Now notice in Acts chapter 13, verse 27, For the people who live in Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize him. They didn't give him the time of day. They didn't, they didn't consider him Messiah. They thought he was something else, and they were envious of him. They wanted to get him out of the way. They, they, he was threatening them, and they didn't recognize him. And they fulfilled, notice this, and they fulfilled the sayings of the prophets that are read every Sabbath day. How? By condemning him. They fulfilled the word of God by condemning him. That's not the way I want to fulfill the word of God. They fulfill the scriptures by condemning him. There, you know, see, there's more than one way to fulfill the scriptures. Like I say, everybody's going to fulfill a scripture one way or another. And it's just which ones. And God, I want the best ones. Praise God. You can fulfill them as a friend of God, or you can fulfill them as an enemy of God. It's completely our choice. Now, there are some scriptures we should not want to be, have any part of, right? I don't want no part of them. Amen. Somebody was going to betray Jesus, but the other 11 said, well, not us. It could be somebody else. I'm, we're not doing it. And then notice Acts 13, 29. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. When they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down. Who's the they? And what did they fulfill? It's not just the people that were nice to him. It wasn't just the people. It was, it was all the people doing everything. All the people involved with anything to do with Jesus. His punishment, his crucifixion, his suffering. Amen. And even those that loved him, that, uh, that tried to intercede, tried to, you know, uh, you know, give him a decent burial, all that was fulfilled. See, some of these people were motivated by envy and jealousy. You know, give us Barabbas. We don't want Jesus. Amen. What should we do with Jesus? Crucify him. Amen. Others were motivated by hate, and still others were motivated by their desire to keep their power, prestige, influence, and status quo. They had a really good gig as being the, the religious leaders of that day. They were powerless, and they didn't have nothing going with heaven, amen, but they had a lot of prestige and, and influence with the people, and they didn't want to lose that, and Jesus was a big threat to them, and so they had to get rid of them. But see, they didn't even know 
They were fulfilling the scriptures. If the devil would have been smart, he would have made sure Jesus lived to a thousand years old. Made sure he had you know, the best of care and let's like, not touch. No, but see, the, uh, the scripture must be fulfilled. You're going to bruise his, his uh, uh, heel at crucifixion. He's going to bruise your head when he dies and rises again. Hallelujah. So yet all of them unknowingly, unknowingly, were fulfilling the scriptures concerning Jesus and his mission on this earth. They didn't even realize it, that they were being used, amen, by God in some way, some form to fulfill the scriptures. People like that, they're the ones that someday will have no choice but to bow their knees and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know what I want to do? I'm going to do it willingly now. Praise God. Amen. People like that are the ones that are going to be shocked and surprised when they stand before God on the judgment day and find out their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. I don't want to accidentally, ignorantly, or unknowingly fulfill the scriptures because of pride or hatred or disobedience or even ignorance. I want to know what the word of God is. I want to fulfill the word, amen, according to God's will and his plan on the path to heaven, praise God. So I, uh, we, we, we want to purposely and willingly and intentionally and gladly with all of our heart seek to fulfill the scriptures by keeping his commandments and trying to do those things which are pleasing in his sight and walk with him every day, striving to know him better. Amen. And I'll close with a little chorus that we used to sing. Then I'm just going to read it because I don't even know how it goes and I don't want to butcher it. Amen. But it's every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, and every line. All are blessings of His love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. Amen. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast. And may God bless you.